Welcome to Music History Monday for August 23rd, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Moritz Moschkowski. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the birth on August 23, 1854, 167 years ago today, of the German-Polish composer, pianist, and teacher Moritz Moschkowski in the Prussian-slash-Silesian city of Breslau, today the Polish city of Wrocław. He died in Paris on March 4, 1925, at the age of 70. Moschkowski was one of the most famous pianist-composers of his time, someone who stood shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with the likes of Franz Liszt, 1811-1886, Anton Rubinstein, 1829-1894, Ferruccio Busoni, 1866-1924, Sergei Rachmaninoff, 1873-1943, and Ignacy Jan Parufsky, 1860-1941. Paderewski paid his friend and fellow Pole, Moschkowski, the ultimate compliment when he said that, quote, after Chopin, who was and remains the great Polish national hero, Moschkowski best understands how to write for the piano, and his writing embraces the whole gamut of piano technique, unquote. In the end, painfully, tragically, inevitably, or so it so often seems. Talent, success, and fame were no match for time, aging, and illness. And Moschkowski died in obscurity and poverty, a broken man. Sadly and unjustly, he and his music languish in near total obscurity today. Moritz Moschkowski, 1854-1925. Moschkowski's birthplace, the Silesian city of Breslau, has changed hands more often than a worn dollar bill. At various times in its history, it has been part of the ancient kingdom of Poland, the kingdom of Bohemia, the kingdom of Hungary, the Austrian Habsburg Empire, the kingdom of Prussia, and Germany. And since 1945, with the conclusion of World War II, the modern state of Poland. No matter what national entity it belonged to, Breslau slash Wrocław was and remains a thriving, highly cultured university town. Much of its old city is today designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Moschkowski's parents Isaac Moschkowski and Solomia, or Sarah Moschkowski, born Hirschberg, were described as people of independent means. Moritz also had an older brother named Alexander, 1851 to 1934, who grew up to become a well-known writer and satirist. 
The family was Jewish, but their independent financial means allowed them privileges and status not given to most urban Prussian Jews of the time. That privilege and status was the key to Moritz Moschkowski's future because it allowed him to receive a high-end education. Moschkowski's father, Isaac, was not himself particularly well-educated, but he understood, and understood well, that education was the key to advancement in society. To that end, his sons Moritz and Alexander were schooled early and hard. They learned their German, Latin, and ancient Greek in school, and read the classics of German literature at home. Moschkowski's mother, Sarah, was an accomplished pianist whose repertoire included Beethoven, Mendelssohn, Mozart, and Chopin. According to Alexander Moschkowski, he and Moritz, quote, loved to lie under the piano on the floor and listen to her play, unquote. Moritz began his piano lessons with his mother at the age of nine, and that's when the life of the Moschkowski family changed. Both brothers were talented, but Moritz prodigiously so, and the remainder of his childhood was dedicated to finding him the best teachers they could, wherever they might be. The first stop was Dresden and the Dresden Conservatory, where the family moved in 1865 when Moritz was 11 years old. From there, it was on to Berlin in 1868, where Moritz attended the Stern Conservatory. But the 14-year-old Moschkowski almost immediately outstripped his instructor's ability to teach him anything. So in 1869, at the age of 15, he transferred to the recently opened, in 1855, Neue Akademie der Tonkunst, the new Academy of Musical Art. It was there that he studied piano with Theodor Kulak, 1818 to 1882, composition with Richard Wurst, and orchestration with Heinrich Ludwig Egmont Dorn, who, once upon a time, had been Robert Schumann's counterpoint teacher. Warshkowski's piano teacher, Theodor Kulak, was the real deal. Himself a student of Karl Czerny, who was a student of Beethoven's, Kulak was the official pianist to the Prussian court. It was Kulak who had founded the Neue Akademie der Tonkunst, which was more popularly known as Kulak's Academy. Founded in particular to train pianists, it eventually became the largest private music school in all of Germany. Kulak personally took Moritz Moskowski under his pedagogic wing and the results were spectacular. Amazingly enough, amazing to me at least, is that Marschkowski was also a more than competent violinist who played first violin in the school orchestra. Where he found the time to practice the violin is anybody's guess. In 1870, Kulak took some of his most outstanding students to Weimar there to play for the self-styled emperor of modern music himself, Franz Liszt. Liszt had been Kapellmeister, the master of music at the Weimar court, between 
1848 and 1861. In 1869, he returned to Weimar to give master classes in piano. The 16-year-old Moschkowski attended one of these master classes, where he performed one of Liszt's own Hungarian rhapsodies. The 59-year-old Liszt was blown away, and in a flash, Moschkowski's success was assured. In 1872, having been at Kulak's academy for only three years, Theodor Kulak offered the now 18-year-old Moschkowski a job teaching at his academy, a position he would hold for over 20 years. Moschkowski later described his earliest teaching experiences as being comical because, quote, every pupil in my class exceeded me in age, unquote. Yeah, later, in April of 1881, the Boston-based Dwight's Journal published an article that said, quote, Kulak considers Moritz Moschkowski the best pupil he ever had, unquote. And that he was. By 1872, the 18-year-old Moschkowski was, indeed, a finished pianist. And his career took off like a cat chasing a laser pointer. He made his Berlin debut the following year at the age of 19. Franz Liszt raved about him, as did, apparently, everyone who heard him play. The English pianist and critic Frederick Kitchener opined that, quote, the playing of Moschkowski was beautiful playing. There was no attempt to astonish. A musician, not an acrobat, was at the piano. Unquote. According to the German-American pianist and composer Emil Liebling, 1851-1914, quote, Considered as a pianist, Moschkowski is hors de concours, unrivaled, unequaled. Everything was done musically and with the utmost ease. Unquote. Moschkowski's developing reputation as a composer coincided with his growing rep as a pianist. The 20-year-old Moschkowski scored his first major compositional success in 1876 with the publication of his five Spanish dances, Opus 12, for piano four hands. The success of his five Spanish dances had the enviable effect of pretty much guaranteeing the publication of Moschkowski's every new work. His fame as a performer and composer was equaled by his reputation as a teacher. After teaching at the Kulak Academy in Berlin for over 20 years, Moschkowski permanently relocated to Paris in 1897 at the age of 43, where he eventually became a naturalized French citizen and was known as Maurice. Moschkowski. It was there that his students included André Messager, Frank Damroche, whose signature graces my grandmother's diploma from the New York Institute of Musical Art, Thomas Beecham, Joseph Hoffman, Wanda Landowska, Joaquin Torina, Gabby Casadesis, and Vlado Perlmutter. When teaching professional musicians like those just listed, Moschkowski never took a penny in payment. Frank Damrosch recalled, quote, Moschkowski 
never stinted the time he gave, often protracting a lesson to an hour and a half or to two hours. He explained that between colleagues, there could be no question of fees paid and received." Moschkowski described his teaching experiences and his students this way, quote, If I were to reduce my teaching experience to statistics, I should say that out of every 20 piano-playing individuals who have come to me for lessons, 19 have been ladies, and that of these 19, 16 have been Americans." Unquote. But for all his exceptional success, Moschkowski's life began to unravel as early as the mid-1880s, when he was roughly 30 years old. He began suffering from a severe neurological problem in his left arm, probably tendinitis from overpracticing, that first limited and then destroyed his career as a performing pianist. And then, and then there was his marriage. In 1883, during an extended stay in Paris, this was before he moved there permanently in 1897, he met Louise Henriette Hippolyte Chaminade, 1863-1900. Moschkowski, who was described at the time as being, quote, tall, thin, his face decorated with a fine mustache in the current fashion of the day, witty, a fine conversationalist, unquote, fell in love. They were married in Paris on Tuesday, October 28, 1884, after which they returned to Berlin together. The couple had two children, a son, Marcel, was born in 1887, and a daughter, Sylvia, was born in 1889. Then the inexplicable took place, writes Gilia Hodos, quote, Around the end of 1891 and the beginning of 1892, a traumatic event took place in the lives of the Moschkowski family. Henriette had grown increasingly unhappy and frustrated with her marriage. In a scandalous and shocking event, she abandoned Moritz and her children, sneaking out like a thief, and returned to Paris. She most likely never saw her children again. The reasons that precipitated this ignominious circumstance remain uncertain." Unquote. The divorce decree was finalized on June 2, 1892. Devastated though he was, and having to raise his two young children by himself, Moschkowski continued to compose. His works, particularly those for piano, were wildly popular and generated substantial royalties. In an article published in the periodical Music, in 1895, the German-American pianist and student of Liszt, Emil Liebling, wrote the following. Quote, Moschkowski is fortunate that we all play his works because we like them. Moschkowski is still a comparatively young man. He has crowded much work into a brief space of time. Among living composers for the piano, he easily ranks first 
as far as popularity is concerned. He has the rare gift of appealing to the cultivated musical mind, while at the same time he satisfies that longing for melody, which, like hope, springs eternal in the human breast." Moszkowski managed to raise his children by himself, but in 1906 an event occurred that initiated what must be considered the beginning of his end. That was the year Moszkowski's 16-year-old daughter Sylvia became ill and died. The 52-year-old Moszkowski was devastated, and by 1908 he had become a virtual recluse. Although he continued to compose, his health began to fade along with his popularity. He stopped giving composition lessons because, as he later explained, quote, they wanted to write like artistic madmen, such as Scriabin, Schoenberg, Debussy, and Satie, unquote. At least Moszkowski still had his lifestyle, a fine flat in a Tony Paris neighborhood, and all the amenities his considerable income could provide. That income came from his investments. In the years prior to 1914, he had sold the copyrights to his publications for a considerable sum of money and, prudently, or so he thought, he had invested the money in Polish, Russian, and German securities. Not prudent, as it turned out. Those securities were rendered worthless soon after the outbreak of World War I on July 29, 1914. Moritz Moszkowski, at the age of 60, lost everything. To add insult to injury, war shortages precluded the publication of any new compositions. Hyperbole aside, Moszkowski, depressed and in failing health, fell into poverty almost overnight. By 1917, clinically depressed, he could no longer bring himself to compose. In October 1921, an article in the American music magazine The Etude explained that, quote, the Great War, which passed by like a hurricane, shot many terrible bolts. One of these hit Moritz Moszkowski. First, the investments of a lifetime were shattered. Then ill health caused by worry has made him practically helpless. And finally, he has become so seriously ill that his friends have given up all hope for a permanent recovery." Unquote. That serious illness was stomach cancer. Ruinously expensive operations did little but cause Moszkowski more pain and drive him deeper into debt. The bright spots in these Moszkowski's final years were his legion of friends and admirers who took up his cause. A relief committee was established in the spring of 1921 for Moszkowski, with Ignacy Paderewski as its chairman. An article in the American periodical The Musical Courier named a few of the other participating members. Quote, Harold Bauer, Fanny Bloomfield Zeisler, Osip Gabrilovich, Rudolf Gans, Ernest Hutchison, Joseph Levine, Yolanda Merrow, 
Sergei Rachmaninoff, Olga Samarov, and Ernest Schelling. This committee has already collected $600 among its own members, Paderewski heading the list with a $100 check. An appeal is now made to every pianist, piano teacher, and all other lovers of Moshkovsky's music all over the country, and who has not been charmed by his melodious works to contribute to the fund. It has been suggested that everybody who has ever played a piano piece of Moshkovsky should contribute one dollar." On December 21, 1921, a benefit concert was held at Carnegie Hall. A review entitled, quote, The Most Remarkable Pianoforte Recital Ever Given, unquote, described the stage. Again, quote, Fourteen incomparable grand pianos of different makers, all upon one stage at one time. The appearance of the instruments upon the stage was startling, to say the least. Looking down upon them from the boxes, they could be compared with nothing better than huge animals, great pianofants, fourteen of them arrayed upon the stage." Unquote. Among the pianists who performed singly and together that evening were Ossip Gabrilovich, Percy Granger, Joseph Levine, Ellie Ney, Wilhelm Bachhaus, and Harold Bauer. Walter Damrosch conducted, and Paderewski telegraphed his apologies for not being able to attend. The concert raised $13,275, or roughly $175,500 today. In 1925, another benefit was organized, this one held at the Metropolitan Opera House. The proceeds were used to purchase an annuity from the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company to pay Mushkowski $1,250 a year for the remainder of his life. Sadly, that life had not long to run, and Mushkowski died in Paris on March 4th. 1925, before the first of the annuity payments arrived. Better Times Once upon a time, at a reception, the attendees were asked to sign a guest book. Immediately in line in front of Moritz Moschkowski was the pianist and conductor Hans von Bülow, 1830-1894. Little snot that he was, Von Bülow wrote in French, quote, Bach, Beethoven, Brahms, all the others are cretins, unquote. Cretans, idiots. Moschkowski wrote beneath, quote, Mendelssohn, Meyerbeer, and your humble servant Moritz Moschkowski, all the others are cretins, unquote, meaning Christians. We leave the last word to Harold Schoenberg, 1915 to 2003, the former chief music critic for the New York Times. Writing in 1963, Schoenberg bemoaned Moschkowski's obscurity this way, quote, For a while, his piano music was incredibly popular, and only recently has it dropped from the repertoire. There was not a pianist who did not play Etincelles, La Jongleuse, The Capriccio Espagnol, 
on autumn or the E major piano concerto, and indeed no better salon music has ever been composed or any so gratefully conceived for the piano. One of these days, a pianist will come up with a program of pieces our grandparents loved." Unquote. Sadly, that pianist has yet to come forward and that program has yet to be performed. But Harold Schoenberg would be pleased to know that tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post will indeed feature Moschkowski's Piano Concerto in E Major, Opus 59 of 1898. Until then, thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.